He's glad to be here. Let's all stand. Let's sing this church, this song. I'm in this church. Welcome on this earth. But 
left his uh, song service to me, so y'all just join in and help me. Amen. So, amen. If we could, we'll ask Brother Jonathan, he'll come say a word of prayer. If you have any unspoken requests, lift up your hands. I think Sister Tracy Ball has a high fever at home, so remember her in your prayers, and remember all the saints that are traveling. Amen. Amen. You happy to be in church? Amen. Who's expecting great things tonight? If you didn't come expecting, you won't get. Amen. Come on, let's just all bond together. Put the world aside. It's Wednesday evening. This is what we do. This is what the bride does is we come together and worship. We put everything aside. We put all of our opinions aside. And we say, I'm going in clean, Lord. Touch me tonight. Let's pray together. Join together. Heavenly Father, Lord. Lord, what an opportunity to serve you, Lord. Lord, in a day that they've kicked you out of every place that can be possible. Lord, they don't want your presence, Lord. They're, Lord, afraid of what you might tell them. But, Lord, there's a bride that's listening to your voice, Lord. Lord, she's not focused upon the world. She's not focused upon politics. She's not focused upon the events that are happening. Lord, she sees the word being transpired in the end time. She realizes that it's almost going home time. She's more excited today than she's ever been. There's something inside of her, Lord, that's calling out. Lord, expecting to hear from you, Lord. Lord, tonight, Lord, as we gather together, Lord, this is a portion of your bride. Lord, we gather expecting tonight, Lord. Lord, we gather expecting to sense your presence come through the building, Lord. We gather, Lord, expecting to hear wisdom, Lord, to hear strength and encouragement to be healed from our sicknesses, Lord. Lord, you see, Sister Tracy, Lord, a sickness of a fever and, and body aches, Lord, all over her body. Lord, we send the Holy Spirit to her, Lord, to move down into her room where she's at and drive the enemy away, Lord, that she can testify that you're still in the 
healing business, Lord. And Lord, all of the ones that are missing, Lord, that are out traveling or with families, Lord, whatever the case would be, Lord, would you be with them, Lord? Would you lay a desire upon their heart to be back into the house of the Lord, Lord, to make things right between them and the maker, me and the maker, and Lord, come to worship you, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to come into this service, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we're gathered together to worship you. And Lord, if you don't come, it's nothing. But Lord, if you come, it makes it all worth it. Touch my brother Matt, Lord. Drive the nerves aside, Lord. Lord, let him speak to us in song through a ministry, Lord, that you've given, Lord. Lord, be with us tonight, Lord. Worship with us, Lord. Receive our praise. In your holy name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I forgot to say, I was looking on Facebook today, I think a little Theo Cleveland, although has been struggling with, a, I think, a tumor in his head, and it's made him almost go blind in his left eye. And I think that uh, that's pretty hard, you know, to take. So if we could lift him up this week as you're praying, Amen. keep him in your prayers and, and throughout tonight. Man, let's sing this song to take up our cross. Amen. 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 I always practice in the back and I always sing and I get my chords always too low so I get out here I can open it up a little bit y'all pray for me we'll take up your cross and follow Jesus take up your cross every
I just watched the services with the youth this week, this past weekend, and now what a blessing they had. Amen. Amen. A lot of them were taking up their crosses. Yeah. Amen. Sing this with me. With me. Fade in full. We could have the brothers come with the offering. Justice called for a payment of sin. No. changed amen help me sing this one well i've been to the river and i've been baptized i've been washed in the blood of the lamb oh i've been changed from this creature that i
Someone 
as I seize even that sparrow fall, yet he can hold back the same just one hand. Oh, he's so big he rides on the wind that blows, yet in your heart the only one that knows the heartache and all the trouble you're in. When life seems everything but good, remember him. He's the only one that Times I bow beneath the heavy load, and on bended knees, a prayer to God I pray. As I kneel there on the floor, He reminds me just once more that the. 
there's a special need within your life, my friend. And you're seeking for an answer every on the way. This song just came to me. I just want to sing it. Open the eyes of my heart. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the I want to
service I'd like for brother Joseph to come just sing this song with me as he comes God's got it all in control God's got it all in control God's got it Worship Jesus. He's got it all in control. Assurance in my soul. Yes, he. Yes, he does. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful tonight for church? You're happy to be in the house of the Lord. And the world has got an agenda. And they're peddling their agenda out there in our society. Through all kind of commercialism. Through the laws of the land. Through politics. Even through religion. But praise God, we have a place we can come tonight. The house of God. Where we can draw strength from the Lord. Because this is where uh, the word of the Lord goes forth. Amen. When we come to worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. Certainly appreciate the songs tonight. God is so good to us. Amen. Appreciate Brother Jonathan, Sister Carol, Brother Chris, and Sister Amber. uh, Being chaperoned, taking our youths to camp. And I've heard so many good little reports along the way. And... Maybe, Lord willing, Sunday morning we'll get a little bit more and uh, just hear some testimonies of what the Lord did. And it's just always good to magnify Him. You know, we don't want to be like the uh, leopards that got cleansed and only one came back just to say thank you. We want to give Him praise tonight and worship Him. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. This, you know, we come here tonight to learn more about Jesus. 
We come here not specifically to be preached on or preached at, but to receive messages that are preventative in this age we live in. You understand, when God does something special for us, Satan is going to do everything he can to try to take that away from you. You young people got all filled up this weekend and energized, injected by the Holy Ghost. But you know the battle is on now. And that's why we come to church to learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I think sometimes, you know, we don't have uh, enough teachings uh, in the churches. Sometimes we focus on so many other things, uh, but things that really matters in our life. And I understand tonight that our hereafter has already been predestined. But we're still in this body, in this flesh. We hear today many of us are victims of, uh, of family problems and family issues. And things that have trickled down into life that has caused us to be certain ways tonight. And that's why God just gives inspiration and revelation and godly teaching to teach us the ways of the Lord. The message is going forth from this pulpit is to give us strength and to enrich us as Christians to know how to walk in this last age. I believe it was Paul that says to be wise as a serpent. And armless as a dove. Because you understand who we are today doesn't just stop. Maybe you're a young person or you're a parent or a grandparent. But what we are in this life and what we are doing and everything about us carries a certain air around us. It emanates a certain thing about us. And what we are here is what we are somewhere else. What we are here is what God is reflecting in our lives. When you look back in the Bible and you see in Revelation chapter 11, there'll be two prophets that comes back to Israel, Elijah and Moses. And they will repeat the same thing, uh, what there was here in this life. And what they are is what there will be here when they come, the same nature. And what we are here is a reflection of what we are somewhere else. And this is why God sends the preaching of the word of God to mold us that our characteristics will match what we are in a reflection of another world. And this comes through godly teachings and preachings tonight. We're going to go back into family tonight. And I want you to understand these messages are preventative. They're for you now. They're for you in the near future. They're for you in the far future. There are messages that God has given me to help the body of Christ so that we can be stronger Christians. We're not just naive about the word of God. We're not just walking through Laodicea just saying we're Christian. We know our Bibles and we know what God teaches us in this age. I'm taking these Wednesday evening uh, services specifically because I'm recording. These messages are being recorded of their broadcast. Around the world, there's many people to maybe you are not acquainted with that follows our teachings here, our ministry, and these messages are actually translated into different languages uh, in different parts of the world. Pastors and friends of mine who have so enjoyed our ministry through the years are joining in on these sermons, so I want you to know that the messages is for the bride of Christ. And what Christ has given me is for you and is for the body of Christ around us. Because friends, I'll tell you this. The world is teaching their filth 
and their corruption and their own laws and their own principles. And I believe this is why we have the house of God to teach us the ways of God. You believe that? All right. In Genesis chapter 18 again, and uh, just to recap some scriptures. And, uh, and, and I want you to take these messages and hold them. And to you young people, you may not be at that place in your life as of yet, but you soon will. You may not have children as yet. You may not, you may not be at that age for what I'm, I'm speaking of. But I want you to understand, it is messages that are very preventative to our lives that causes us to lead a life before our families. And I want you to take heed to them because they're given to me by the Holy Spirit. And we notice this was Abraham. And then God speaking now, he says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed of him. What, what a scripture here in verses 9. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. You see, this is what it's all about. This is what preaching is all about tonight, is keeping the way of the Lord. The difference between the Israelites and the nations around them was that God gave them certain commandments that they may live by. It was God's recipe for their lives. It was God's blueprint for their lives. And the difference was to the ones that didn't follow, you can see the chaos that followed their lives. And even what Abraham, God is saying here of him, I know Abraham will, uh, will, 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 will take the way of the Lord. He said, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham uh, that which he has spoken of him. So understand that obedience here is connected to the fulfillment of our promises. In Genesis chapter 2 and verses 18. Listen, listen, you can learn. You never want to get to the place where you feel that you cannot learn. We're never too old to be thought of the Lord. This is why God made the ark in the Old Testament out of gopher wood because it was pliable. And we want to remain teachable in the presence of God. Makes no difference what age we are. We want to remain teachable in the house of the Lord. And the Lord's the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me to, for him. And we discovered in our last segment that that word uh, meet is to help meet the expectation of the family at whole. It's not a helpmate, but to help meet the needs of the family. How many has got a need tonight? Would you just slip your hands up before the Lord? Our Heavenly Fathers, we come before you once again tonight. We pray, Lord, that your sweet Holy Spirit will come upon us. As I teach tonight, Lord God, I'm here to uh, give exhortation of your word. Now, Lord, I know, Lord Jesus, is sometimes not as appealing as maybe an evangelistic message, but good godly teaching goes deep into the marrow of our bones, Lord. It helps us. It builds up the structure, the statue of a perfect man. So I pray, God, that the wisdom and 
the understanding and inspiration of the Holy Spirit will fall upon my mind and also upon the audience and those that will listen to this message. Some being translated in Portuguese, Spanish, and Swahili in different languages, French, across the nation. I pray, God, that these segments of sermons will be a blessing to the families within each church as I pray. Bless, I pray, those that are before me now. Continue to inspire us as we teach the Word of God tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church says, amen. amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. The Lord bless you real good. Try not to recap so much so we can. I've got a lot of material to cover, but I just want you to listen to me for the next 45 minutes or so. Just, just pay attention to the Word of God. Pretend like you're in a, maybe a classroom tonight and just listening to the words of God, except this is much, much more uh, valuable to us than just even everyday life matters. They're spiritual matters. And the Laosian church age, Brother Brown said this, is that therein is now set forth the love of God. He desired in love a family of his own, a family of sons, sons like himself. Now this was God's greatest ambition was to carry out a desire to have a family, to uh, be able to uh, fellowship and associate with that which concerns him, the offspring of his being. In a masterpiece message, 1964, Brother Bram said now, the next, uh, notice the great masterpiece of the family, the husband and wife cannot truly uh, can uh, cannot be truly a family unless they're one. They have to be. If they're not, they're not a good family. Wife pulling one way and a husband another that'll make an awful family. But in agreement with love with loved one to another, that's a family. Now you hear of uh, artists. And their important creations, uh, such as uh, Michelangelo, uh, by the painting and the ceiling, uh, 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 the 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 sixteenth uh, uh, chapel. You hear of uh, people such as Beethoven uh, by his uh, fifth symphony, and many great artists through the years, and each masterpiece. Reveals something of its creator. We see the display of their creation. What was in their mind became very tangible before them. In the area of uh, their creation. Specifically I know of Michelangelo. And we're all acquainted with his masterpiece of Moses. I was there and and witnessed uh, the painting there in the 16th chapel of the, the great angelic host. How did Moses laid upon his back for hours and months and years to paint this, uh, these images of these angels that he had in his mind. As a matter of fact, that was one of his last creation the painting of the, uh, the, the 16th chapel. And we, we see it there. And my wife and I, we beheld that. that 
It was actually the last uh, uh, piece of art that he created that, that really took his life because of the enormous amount of time that he spent upon his back just with an artist paint, just painting that imagery that he had in his mind because he wanted to bring out his creation. So we understand that each masterpiece reveals something of his creator tonight. And the same is true to God, especially in his design and purpose of the family. Of all God's creation, the masterpiece that reveals more about him shows up when God made something called the family. We look back in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 and we can see the mastermind of God as an artist. As he stroke as artist created power and created the, the skies and the sea and the landscape and the mountains and, and the great sceneries. All these creation by the great masterpiece. But what tops all of them was the masterpiece of the creation of his family. In Genesis chapter 1 and verses 27 puts it this way. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And had dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. You see a man was the final creation of what God had in his mind. As God began to create, we saw how he started from the lowest species of, of, of life and from the animal life, the fish life. Then he moved into the category of the botany life. But none of this creation was what expressed the very characteristics of God. But when God created man from the dust of the ground, finally there was a creation that stood upright as in the image of God. It was the masterpiece of God. And I want you to understand that man is the masterpiece creation. And this is why he finally gave the sanction that that man might multiply and replenish the earth. And from that masterpiece, he can have an offspring. And he calls that a family. Now, there are two essential essence of the family, marriage and parenthood. And these two reveals God's character like nothing else in creation. Marriage and parenthood reflects the very heart and core of God's characteristics. Because these characteristics are actually in the very genetics and the being of Almighty God. Elohim, the Logos inside of that Logos is that characteristics of a union and fatherhood over his creation. So the essential elements of family are marriage first 
and parenthood that reflects the very nature and characteristics of God Almighty. God Almighty, the Logos that went out of God and created all things. Now, the love between a husband and a wife provides a glimpse, we understand, of Christ's passionate devotion to us and his bride. Now, we understand in the same way the ups and the downs of parenthood offers a compelling picture of God's pardoning grace and patience towards us as his children. It is all a learning process for all of us. Understand that God being the, the master of all creation, there's nothing that God can perfect because he is perfection. He's sublime. He's everything that uh, there is no more perfection to him. But understand that when God created man, that when Satan injected himself into humanity, there was a sense of brokenness in God's masterpiece. So God now began to work through uh, the way of his word, uh, through his prophets and his laws to build back that masterpiece that he created from the beginning. So we notice that man knows the very nature of man, his brokenness. When Eve, when Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and gave entrance to the enemy uh, to interject himself into humanity, we notice it was after that that man became broken. Before Genesis chapter 3, man was in a perfection of a masterpiece family. But praise God that God is able now to raise up a standard to people in this age. Through his word and through godly teachings uh, this morning. This afternoon rather. Now understand that family does more than reflects, uh, reflect God's characteristic. It provides, we understand from the scripture, a safe place where children can uh, experience God's characteristics uh, through their parents. God now extending his very character of perfection and union and marriage in a family relationship. God now taking the opportunity to release his very nature and characteristics through the relationship of marriage and the opportunity of being parents. So God now, even though there was a there was a a, a a bridge a breach in the gap, God now by His Holy Spirit is able through humanity to still express His union and His fatherhood through a, a husband and a wife. Even Jesus Christ Himself, the Bible tells us, was born within the context of a family. God in the flesh submitted to an earthly mother and father to model what it means to honor parents and to benefit from their leadership and their directions. Uh, it is within the nurturing care of his uh, earthly family 
that Jesus, the Bible tells us, in Luke 2 and 25, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. It was under the care of uh, Joseph and Mary and the wisdom of God through their tutorship that helped uh, uh, through the formative years of our Lord Jesus Christ develop certain characteristics that enabled him to be able to be socially connected uh, to those around him to be able to fulfill his purpose in life. Are you following me now? I want you to understand that our children need to know that God has a special purpose for placing them within our union. Your children did not born uh, in your union just by a mishap. If you truly believe that your marriage was uh, meant to be and that God uh, sanctioned that union, you then have to uh, realize and say amen to the fact that God has allowed within that union uh, uh, certain uh, uh, family members to be placed there by his foreknowledge. So being a godly parent involves being both a nurturer and a disciplinarian. So I'm going to take up on some of this now because this is where I stopped last, uh, about a month ago. Let's dig into a portion of scripture on discipline just for a moment. Do you love the Lord? All right, uh, Hebrew chapter 12, verses 4. We're not going to get in a hurry. We'll just preach until we feel that we need to stop and then we'll take it up. Amen. Is that all right? Praise the Lord. Hebrew chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4, beginning of verses 4. He had not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And he had forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise thou, not thou, this chasing of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is whom the father chasteneth not? And if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partaker, then are he bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we give them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subjected unto the Father of spirits and life? And I want you to understand how Paul is interjecting the natural and the spiritual in this context. He's not only just speaking about spiritual adoption, but he's ultimately saying for us to ever come to spiritual adoption, there has to be some natural implementation of discipline within our lives. Verses 10, for they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partaker of his holiness. Now, now, no ch- uh, chasing for the present seemeth to be joyous, 
but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Understand that the necessity of discipline is to uh, deter destruction of uh, your children's life. And no, no sort of discipline, whether we are spiritual children of God or in our natural elements, no discipline is to deter uh, destruction uh, uh, of your children. Understand, rather, is to deter destruction of your children. It, it's, it's there to help our lives, uh, not just presently, but as we advance into life, into certain category of life, we develop certain, uh, certain uh, season that we come into life. Many of you young ladies, you young men, you are young right now and you are in certain seasons of life. But understand, as age changes, as the season changes, you find yourself evoluting into the next phase of life that requires much more challenges for you as, as Christians. Understand now, the necessity of discipline, discipline is to deter destruction of your children to help with the area of uh, destructions uh, uh, that may come ahead of your life. Now, discipline is never easy. However, haphazard living will lead to uh, destruction. And this is what Paul is ultimately saying here in the passage in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Speaking actually about our spiritual uh, adoption that uh, uh, if there are no discipline with our lives or in our lives and uh, we have haphazard living and it would lead, lead ultimately to a destruction uh, within, our, within our walk with God and even as a, a family it creates a lot of hazard in our lives. And on the contrary, discipline, discipline lives will reap harvests of rewards. You believe that? Discipline never easy. And we see that haphazard living leads to destruction. But uh, true discipline lives will reap a harvest of rewards. We just read it there in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 11. It produces certain harvests of fruits within our lives. Understand now that discipline is about watching your children to see the direction in which they're going. This is what God the Father does in our lives. I'm too glad for the watchman of the Holy Spirit that's watching us every day to see the direction that we are going. And when we take certain roads, then the Spirit of God sends a convicting power of God in our life to deter us from destruction. You believe it? I remember the illustration of uh, giving your child the keys, and letting him drive on his own. You see, action needs to be taken. When you see your child take 
the wrong route and you know he's headed straight for a cliff, you'll yank the wheel or you'll slam on the brakes and they'll get mad for a moment. But 10 years down the road, they'll thank you for it. And I want you to understand, we have all experienced that. There's times when sometimes we have to yank the wheel and slam on the brakes and, and, and it, makes, it makes people mad. It makes people upset. It is human nature to not want someone to be upset at them. It's human nature to be friendly, to be loving, to, to be in unison, to be in harmony. However, we're not there yet. And there's times when we have to yank the wheel and slam on the brakes. You've been there, you understand what I'm saying uh, tonight. You see, many parents are afraid of making their children mad or angry. And this starts at an early age. It's, you know, even preaching the gospel. I don't always like to come up here and preach something that makes the people that takes care of me and puts shirt on my back and take care of my family angry and upset at me. But because that there is something greater inside of me to look and to deter you from destruction will raise up then to say, it don't matter. If somebody's angry or somebody is mad, this is the best thing right now. Because I tell you, it's important. This starts at an early age. How many parents can remember the first time your child stuck out his lips and say, I don't love you anymore? Your first, your first thought was, boy, I don't even want to be that hard on him and her again. But you see, that's the mistake. It is better to correct their behavior and ignore their frown. Than to let them go down the road of destruction. You understand what I'm saying? I can't let the church go down certain direction. I have to say certain things at certain times. And it's very unpleasant. And despite, despite the frowns and the attitudes, uh, I have to press through that. To see the ultimate is I'm keeping the church from an ultimate destruction. You understand what I'm saying tonight? And being mad, being mad at you won't last forever. I promise you that. But destruction of their behavior just might. And even painful discipline is an expression of your love. Any mature parent can withstand the anger of their child and say, That's okay. You don't need to love me right now. But you love me in a few years. Come on, church. You don't need to love me right now, but you'll love me in a few years. And that's how it is with a pastor, a godly pastor. There's times I don't even feel like dealing with problems. I don't want to deal with conflicts. I don't enjoy them wanting to be combative. But yet I have to, as a godly parent, instruct the church in what is true and pure and wholesome and will keep them from a hell of destruction. Are you following me tonight? Yes. They'll love you in a few years. You see, it hurts temporarily. 
but to compromise your child's welfare for the fear of losing his or her love will hurt a lot worse in, in years to come. It's not easy, friends. Let me tell you, sometimes I even tell God this in my prayer. Lord, I, I think sometimes you just chose the wrong man to be a pastor because you can just be minding your own business, go along in church, and everything is just all right, and suddenly somebody just, uh, suddenly a spirit will just strike someone and maybe unaware to their own attitude, and they just suddenly just want to go out of the path. Amen. It's the same thing with the family. I don't think that your children actually just sit down and say, let me contemplate how I can just make life difficult for my mom and my dad. But you see, things happen in life. And when it happens, it requires our immediate attention as parents. You see, nature and us will try to defer it and to try to uh, just sweep it under the rug or try to look the other way, but problems just don't go away by themselves. They have to be addressed. They have to be tended to. It's like a wound. It has to be addressed. If it doesn't, it will fester and create a larger problem for the whole family. Understand that discipline means actions and words. Look at Proverbs 3 and verses 11 with me tonight. The Bible said, My son, despite not the chasing of the Lord, neither be wary of his correction. For chastening, two different Hebrew words are used. Yaskar, which means a discipline, which involves God's action, and yakak, which means rebuke, which refers to God's words. Look at Hebrew chapter 12 and verses, 12, uh, uh, verses 5. For he hath forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despite not thou the chasten of the Lord, nor faint when thou are rebuke of him. God used two words to describe here actions and words. And we are not to take light of God's actions and be discouraged at his words of rebuke in our lives. Because actions and words are very important to God when he is disciplining us as sons and daughters of God. Are you with me tonight? You see, Yaskar refers to discipline action uh, yakak refers to corrective words. As parents, that's exactly how we are to discipline. We bring both word and actions, warnings and consequences into children's situation in order to keep them on track tonight. It's so important. God's word is full of instruction as how we should live. Actions and words. God doesn't just play on words. He spells it out right before us. You understand what I'm saying tonight? See now that the motive of discipline is to express love towards your children. 
That's right. Whether we're grown children or young children or toddlers, we understand that discipline is to express love towards your children. In a recent juvenile delinquency research study, children were asked how they knew their parents' feelings towards them. Almost all of them said that lack of discipline in their home was a sign that their parents didn't love them. That's staggering, isn't it? That's staggering. I took some time just to do some serious research in just the last few days just to study family and and, and discipline. And I began to look into these elements and, and see that's the truth. Many testified a lack of discipline in their home was a sign that their parents didn't love them. And you understand, the parent that's disciplined is the parent that a child will cleave to the most in a union. That's the truth. That is a proven fact. That is a proven fact tonight. Very staggering statistics. Now, we often think that we're expressing love when we repeatedly say, I'll give you another chance. You know, this, this is just a cop-out. This is just an easy way. I'll give you another chance. It's so easy to just brush past the problem and just, uh, uh, just uh, cover it over with, uh, uh, with just words or threats. I'll give you another chance. What we're really doing, though, is neglecting to set boundaries and let our children know they're in a safe zone where they can feel secure. I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another chance. This makes a child feel secure. It tells a child, it tells whoever it is, whether you're grown adults or children, toddler, whomever you is, a son of God. It makes, what if God just say, I'll give you another chance. He does that. But there's times when he cracks the whip on us and say, you know what? If I don't correct you, then you're a bastard child. Is that correct? It's so easy just to do that. I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another chance. After a while, those words become just words. They're just vapor to a child. One of the most powerful ways to love your child is to be consistent in your discipline. You see, we're inclined to do whatever we can to maintain friendship with our kids. When discipline is actually more important. We are the best friend to our offspring when we express the characteristics of what God is in discipline. Discipline doesn't always mean taking a whip out or, 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 or something like that. There's various consequences that's connected with the word discipline. The same with us and God. How God disciplines us through diverse situations in our lives. Praise the Lord. You know, parents tend to discipline well for a few weeks and then find it more convenient to make compromises. We've all been there. You don't feel like it. You don't want to make enemy. You don't want to make anybody mad. It's just easy. It's not convenient. You know, you make compromises. But I want you to understand tonight that children pick up on that in an instant. Try listening to your children's conversation 
after being grounded. And you'll hear something that goes like this. I got grounded last night. Oh no. Says the friend. How long? They said two weeks. But it'll probably be just three to four days. You see, where did they get the idea? Children are intelligent students of parents' behavior. And they understand the very nature of that that child. And they know that that parent, they know they can manipulate a situation. Just like we try to manipulate our way as Christians, as adults, in friendship, in, in brotherhood, in relationships. It is so easy to manipulate our way through these things. You understand what I'm saying? They they usually know when they can get away with things. And over time, they learn that you're breaking points and where you are prone to compromise. And they aren't consciously taking notes, of course. They, they, they They seem to be one that's Pick up on experience by the way that the parents actually is handling things. And I say to his friends, it's the same way, you know, walk with God to a Christian that tries to manipulate God. I want you to understand there are serious consequences that goes with that. It isn't God that's the loser. It's us that becomes the loser in the end. So they aren't consciously taking notes, of course. They've been thought through, though very well by experience, as we see it. The discipline is to teach obedience to our offsprings. This was one of the Ten Commandments that God gave the, and the Israelites was to be in obedience. You realize that every promise that God gives us is obedience is attached to it. It's all, it's all based on there's a covenant between obedience and fulfillment of promises there is a covenant there if that covenant is not kept the fulfillment of the promise will never be but God looks what God looks for from us is our obedience it's not that he's not capable of fulfilling the promise but more so looking for our obedience when you teach your children godly submission you're teaching them to do the right thing for the right reason And you want them to get beyond the point where they say, I've got to. And get them to the point of obeying out of love and confidence. It isn't what I got to. Because mom says this or dad says this. But they're now doing this out of love and confidence in you as parents. Same with God. Hallelujah. What I do out of obedience, amen, is because I love God and I have confidence in God tonight. Is this fine with you tonight? Now, their discipline will be primary, external, in the beginning. In the beginning, we understand there's consequences. And eventually, it will become internal. Integrated into their personality. 
that it is self-discipline rather than imposed discipline. What you're trying to do is to move your child into an evolution of the season of their life to prepare them to be good parents, to move them into an integration of just imposed discipline to self-discipline. I'm saying, you know what? You know why mom says no? You know why dad says no? It's because they're trying to integrate into me a personality of uh, being uh, a parent someday to where I will have to say no, I will have to say yes, I will have to have con- uh, consequences, uh, not because I want to, but because now I have to implement uh, these truths uh, to the next generation. Church, you see why the nation is so messed up? You see why the churches are so messed up in, in this age? We need godly teaching how to integrate the principles into our family. Walk with God. You believe it? You see the way you regulate how they speak and act towards others needs to become a part of who they are uh, tonight. You're teaching them. You're, you're teaching. You're teaching young people. You're teaching your young, uh, your, your young married uh, children how to integrate and how to interact uh, in the family of God. I see one of the greatest uh, curse upon Christian family in this age is there is such a kill over when it comes to social interaction within the family. This is, why, this is why there's conflicts and there is uh, an eruption of uh, a family relationship because the proper integration did not take place at an early stage in their life. Are you following me now? And thank you for being patient tonight to understand. I'm preaching and I'm trying to just stay with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Notice the result of discipline are short-term pain and long-term gain. The reason we don't like to discipline our children is that it involves short-term pain. It's very unpleasant to say or to to be uh, contrary. It's very it's very painful when you're in a group and. Everybody's going with the grain. And sometimes you have to go against the grain. So is it in a family. It's very painful. But I want to tell you and reassure you that that pain is only very short term in light of the long term gain that you will receive as parents. We're very sympathetic to our children's feelings. We never enjoy hurting them. No real parent ever enjoy hurting their child. You heard it said so many times, when you're disciplining a child, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Now you know what it's like. I used to always wonder, what do you mean this hurts me more? I'm the one getting a lick in here. Amen. Same way it is with God. But as you grow into parenthood, you understand that it's the same way with God. Imagine how it hurts God more than it hurts us because our discipline expresses the very essence of God's love towards us. 
Imagine if God's family, God's children, God's spiritual children never received discipline. What kind of a bastard church we will have in the end time. See what I'm saying, friends? So we're, we're very sympathetic to their feelings and, and we never enjoy hurting them. But there's a process involved. Those who have been trained by it yield the fruits of righteousness. It is. They, they, they yield the fruits of righteousness. Look at the Bible in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 from verses uh, uh, verses 2 all the way down to verses 11 speaks about discipline of God bringing us to bring forth fruits harvest within our lives. You believe it? It's a process that God uses. It's a process that God brings upon us as parents. Let's read that again if you don't mind. Hebrews, let's catch it one more time. Praise the Lord. You love him. Hebrews 11, uh, or 12 and 11. Watch this. Now, no chasing for the presence seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful when you begin to see the characteristics of God disciplining us in this, in this time, bringing us to the place to where we can bring forth our fruits of righteousness. This is what God does to the family, his family. He comes and he gives us specific instructions how that we might live godly lives. The entire series of family is to make us better Christians, to make us better leaders, to make us better citizens, to make us better mothers and fathers, and make us better people, how that we can integrate with one another in a way that is pleasing to Almighty God. Do you love him tonight? Do you appreciate the Holy Spirit tonight? God bless you tonight. I'm going to stop right there. Amen, because that's a lot. Amen, that I poured into 30 minutes, but I want you to process that for a little bit. I want you to think about some of those characteristics of disciplines that I've given tonight. And, and just think about it, how important it is to actually embrace it and to practice it. And to pass it on to our young people. You see these young men looking at me right now. In three, four years from now, they'll be dads. They're going to be husbands. These young ladies are going to be mamas. And they're probably sitting right back in this nursery with their one-year-old or two-year-olds. Looking at me, listening to these words that I've spoken tonight. Time is but a vapor and life catches up to us. It's important to have these godly teaching in our lives. Do you believe it? Do you love them tonight? God bless you. Let's stand to your feet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good to us? Isn't God good to us? Listen, if I, if I, open, if I open up another phase right here, it'll be another hour. Amen. I'm going to just stop right there because I want you to understand in Hebrew chapter 12, I'd like for you to do me some homework. This is, your, this is your assignment. Take this week, Hebrew chapter 12, 
And I want you to read the entire chapter in the light of what I've just spoke tonight. Think about it first, spiritually. Secondly, think of it as an individually. Then thirdly, think of it as a family. And you'll see how much truth that you will get out of that one passage. Think of it spiritually. Think of it individually. And then think of it as a family. Hebrew chapter 12 is your assignment until next Wednesday evening. We'll pick it back up by the grace of God. Do you love the Lord Jesus? Give the Lord a good clap offering right now. God is good to us, isn't he? Aren't you thankful for godly teachings? You know, what would I have done to have teaching like this growing up, Brother Jonathan? Amen. Everybody was too busy trying to figure out the seven seals. Amen. While us kids were coming up, just, get, just getting along loose out there, uh, not, not even getting the proper teaching in our lives. But I want to thank God that he's given wisdom in this age to all of us. We have these young ladies here. You see what? They are going to make some absolute, by the grace of God, Godly mothers, these young men, godly husbands in our church, they are the generation. He said, oh, I'm just too old for all that preaching. You're an example. As long as you got breath in your life, this applies to you as well. Every one of us, if it's not for you, it's for your heritage, your grandchildren, your grown children, and your family. And if you shut off an ear to it, then that's a flippant attitude. God doesn't like that. God wants you to have the right opening, the right attitude to his word and say, Lord, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. I want to learn the ways of God. I want to learn the things of God. Now, understand, this is quite a vast difference between Sunday preaching and Wednesday preaching. I have to shift and control myself in a lower gear when I'm teaching. Come Sunday morning, I'll throw it up a little higher by the grace of God. I'll be dealing with the revivals in the two days, Hosea chapter 6, and the Feast of the Trumpets. You're going to be blessed by it Sunday morning and just showing you where we're at again in this age. The Lord bless you. You see, I want to show you the spiritual things and I want to show you the natural things because I want your natural life to be integrated into your spiritual you. Hallelujah. I don't want you to get so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I want to be able by the grace and gift of God in my life to synchronize the natural body with a spiritual body that you will be a well-balanced Christian, spirit-filled and word-fed on the Word of God. You love him tonight. You got a song for us, Brother Matt. You sang a wonderful song there, that second to last song you sang. I never really realized those words were so powerful. That was wonderful tonight. I, I enjoy that so well. Let's sing a little song to him, then we'll let you go enjoy the evening with your family. Oh, it reaches to the highest Help us now. Lift your voice to him. And it flows. To the lowest. Thank you, Lord. The blood. The blood. That gives me strength. From day to day. From day to day. It will never lose its power. Hallelujah. Oh, it's hard. Let's take it up. Oh, it reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows. 
Thank you, Jesus. It flows to the lowest valley. I know it's the blood that gives me strength from day. tonight it reaches to the highest mountains and flows to the deepest valleys God's word is so wonderful it's so beautiful the greatest book of all books is the Bible friends this is God's blueprint for our lives everything that we desire is right in this book hallelujah it tells who we are, where we came from, and where we're going. That's right. Hallelujah. It reveals the real you, the real spiritual you that's inside of you. Yes. It tells you that you're a son and a daughter of God. It tells these young men, these young ladies, that they're prince and princesses on the earth. And one day they'll rule and reign upon the earth. What a mighty God we serve tonight. Don't you love him? Let's sing that. What a mighty God we serve. If we know it, amen. What a mighty God we serve. Let's oh, put him. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Angels. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Sing it again. One more time. What a mighty. Oh, what a mighty God. We serve. Hallelujah. What a mighty God. We serve. Angels. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God. We serve. Hallelujah. I want to guarantee you, the world today and their curriculum, they're not going to teach you this. Right. Hallelujah. I, mean, I don't care if you're in kindergarten or high school or in college or even in society, they're going to teach you something different than what I'm saying today. This is why we need to hear the word of God and come out in the house of the Lord. This is important. And it really surprises me, amen, how people sometimes don't think teaching is important. It's very important. You realize that teaching is what places us? It places the church. We know who we are. This is why Elijah had to do some teaching in the days of Ahab and all the false prophets. You remember how they got up and they danced upon the altar and cut themselves with lances. And they cried to their God. And said, where? And Elijah came down and mocked them in 2 Kings. And said, where's your God now? Pre-adventures on vacation. Maybe you need to shout a little more. Maybe you need to dance a little more. Maybe you need to do this a little bit more. Amen. He said, if God be God, he will answer. The first thing before 
Elijah bring God's presence into the church. You know what he did? He brought some good Holy Ghost teaching. The altars that they broke down dancing upon, the Bible said was the first thing that Elijah rebuilt the altar. He rebuilt the family life. He rebuilt the, the family by good godly teaching. Then he called down upon God and the presence of God came down. I said, this is what the church needs, a good godly teaching to rebuild and restructure the infrastructure of our homes. Then we can feel and sense God's presence in our lives. God bless you. We love you. Is Brother Aaron back here? Amen. God bless you, Brother Aaron. We appreciate you. We love you. Amen. How did he do tonight? Good. Praise the Lord. All right. Two thumbs up for Brother Aaron. God bless you. You see, I'm looking at him right now. The Bible said, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face we shall see each other. Amen. But I know he's interpreting the message. We'll get it out, translate it into Spanish by the grace of God. Do you love him? Do you appreciate Jesus? Isn't God good? I want to thank you for your prayers for my niece, Chrissy. You know, the, the bacteria that went into our body, the infection was a flesh-eating bacteria that went into our through our arms and up through our side and our shoulders. They had to do operation to get all that infection out. It came by a staph infection and broke through the skin. It's actually something, a kind of a disease, a thing that's out there. But in the last day, you know, the Bible says that God has said in this last age, these things will be upon the earth. But I want to thank God for your prayers. First doctor I saw her said they'll have to amputate her arm. Then after that, she had some kidney failure. They had to rush her, life flight her to uh, Greenville. And then they did three or four other operations. But I want to thank God she's home now. She's recovering. She didn't have to lose an arm. God is able. And she went back for a revisit of the first doctor. They were just shocked to see she still had her arm. Because one of the colleagues, another doctor, just had the same thing that happened that amputated his, his arm and several other stories that went on. But God is gracious and God is able. I believe through the collective prayer, increasing prayer, togetherness in prayer, uh, we, we knocked on heaven's door and the angels of God was dispatched. So I want to thank you for your prayers. She's going through therapy right now. I believe she'll be able to lift her hands soon and... All will be well in the name of Jesus. Friends, I tell you, you need the blood of Jesus Christ to cover you. Every day, you don't know what's out there. You better be praying and reading your Bibles. You better be. I don't think we need to live in fear, but we need to be prayed up when we go out in society that God will just uh, move on the scene. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. And we thank God for each and every one of you today. God is so wonderful to us, and we just praise him and magnify his name. Let us bow our heads. Before we go, our Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening for the word and just putting out quite a bit, Lord, in just a short time. Don't want to overload and blow fuse, but just to give enough so that people can think about it and dwell on it. And to read chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, Lord, and just contemplate what you're saying uh, to the body of Christ. Bless the believers here as we go to our homes. Bring us back this Sunday at the appointed time, Lord. We're looking forward to some of the testimonies. Uh, Brother Jonathan will give us, Lord, and, and some of the youths, Lord, of, of what God did this weekend. And we're just looking forward to that, Lord, and give you praise for it. And then for the message that will be coming forth, prepare my mind and spirit. 
dropped inspiration and revelation into my heart and soul, Lord, as I delivered a message to the people. Bless your people, I pray. Bless the bride of Christ. Heal the sick, Lord, amongst us. Mend the brokenhearted. Lift up the weak and set the captives free. Go with us, Lord. Bring us back. This weekend, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church says, amen and amen. God bless you. Young people, I want to say, so good to have you back. You're my amen corner. My, my, my. So it was kind of quiet here Sunday, but I pressed through anyhow. Amen. I pressed through by the grace of God. Got the message delivered. So come back Sunday with your cup of right joyous in the house of the Lord. You'll get a blessing on Sunday. I promise you read Hosea chapter 6 also, if you don't mind. Hosea chapter 6 is just about uh, 12 verses. Read it. Get prepared. Sunday we'll preach on it by God's grace. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love the Lord. Thank you, Brother Matt. Thank you, musicians. I'm so glad I'm, I'm a, a part, part.